I'm sure we've talked about this before, but I, I feel it all the time too, Neil. It's, it's called imposter syndrome. <laughs> and <it's, laughs> yes, yes, you, absolutely. You just, you're like, I can't believe that they're trusting me to do this, right? Uh, and, and because we're all, the, the funny thing is everybody's faking it. It's, it's not just us. Welcome to Archispeak, a fortnightly podcast about all things architecture. My name is Evan Troxel, and I'm one of your hosts along with Neil Pan and Cormac Phelan. Have you ever wondered what it's like to work in the profession of architecture? Have you ever worked with an architect? Have you ever wanted to be an architect? Maybe you're in school and don't know what you're getting yourself into, or perhaps you know exactly what it's like because you've been working in the profession for a long time, and you know that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Or maybe, just maybe, you're planning on changing the world. Join us as we have a casual conversation about our passion, architecture. It's time for some Archispeak. Welcome to episode 84 of the Archispeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxel. And I'm Corin Phelan. And this episode of Archispeak is sponsored by Arcat. Check out all the features they offer at arcat.com. And we'll talk a little more about them uh, later in the show. Also, we want to mention we have the Equity by Design Equity in Architecture Survey. The current survey is open right now until April 1st. So hurry up and take it today. And what is this survey? This survey is the second a survey, a follow-up from the one that was conducted in 2014 and then shown at the 2015 AIA National Convention in Atlanta. But this survey is for all architects and uh, architecture member organizations, alumni networks, is all sent out to them. So you may have actually already received it. I know uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo sent me an email uh, alerting me to that. So what is it? It is a survey to seek to create a comprehensive national data set detailing current positions and career experiences of architectural school graduates. So uh, a lot of this information is actually going to be uh, tallied up and presented later this fall. So if you go over to um, the website Equity by Design, which is actually eqxdesign.com, you can find more information about the survey, and we will have a link directly to the survey in our show notes. So we want to encourage everyone to get out and uh, take the survey. I, I understand they've actually gotten uh, quite a bit of uh, uh, response on this uh, this survey this time. So uh, we we're trying to help out here and let everybody know um, to get out and take the survey. So uh, if you want to uh, find out about it again, that website is EQX design.com and we will have uh, links to that and the actual direct link to the survey in the show notes so uh, it might take you you know maybe you know 20 25 minutes to complete and the deadline for that again is april 1st so we encourage everyone to get out and uh, take that survey yeah, and we've had the creator uh, well not the creator but one of the creators of of that on the show a couple times rosa sheng and i just finished taking the survey myself and it does. It probably does take about twenty to twenty-five minutes for real. When when we say that, and we're reading it off of of what they wrote, but um, for me, it was that long. I think Neil, you said it was a lot shorter. It so seems shorter for me. For some I think reason. it it does depend on how you're <laughs> answering the. <laughs> it does depend how you're answering the questions. I think because they were responsive to what your answers previous yeah. answers were, uh, and but. I have to say that there was a lot of really good questions in there. So absolutely, I, I felt I, like it was really comprehensive. Yeah, I think mine was about twenty twenty five minutes when I took it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Arcaspeak podcast the has has taken the survey. Uh, so everybody else, get out there and um, let let them know what's going on in your world of architecture, the the either your firm or the firm you work at, so that they have a really accurate set of data, so that they can really get a pulse of what's going on in the profession. And so remember that deadline, April 1st. So get out there and uh, get that done uh, before April 1st. And let them know how it's actually going. It's not It's not like some sugar-coated uh, painting of the profession. It's, it's They're trying to get real data here. All right, so we have big news here. We right? do? Yeah. What's the big news? You Evan? should know. I do N know. Neil got a new job. I have a job, yes. J-O-B. J-O-B. Yeah, tell us what happened. Uh, what, what's happened since we last spoke here? 
Well, um, you know, the, uh, a lot of uh, deep reflection, I think, um, some kind of uh, trying to, you know, well, I, I think I need to step back a little bit. Um, back in 2009, you know, I was laid off along with a lot of other people. Uh, as the whole industry really, uh, especially my part of it, which uh, I do a lot of residential work, uh, really just imploded. And um, I'm sure everyone here knows that. And so at the time, I mean, I was licensed, had been licensed for a long time. So there weren't any other jobs out there. Um, after taking a little time off and looking around, uh, just decided, well, I think I will start, you know, I'll I I can incorporate, not incorporate, but I can get a business license and just start my own business. So that's what I did. And I really probably thought at first that uh, this would be, you know, a short term deal, maybe a year or two. And, you know, as things probably started to turn back around, uh, go get another job. And the weird thing happened was uh, this recession lasted a lot longer, I think, than anyone anticipated and or thought at first. And then also, too, um, I started working. I started getting some projects, and I you know, didn't make that much. And I, I learned a lot. I had to learn a lot uh, about beyond just um, the basics of, uh, you know, when you work in a firm, a lot of things are taken care of for you or, um, you know, projects are dropped into your lap, and you do them. And you're not out there hustling for your own work. I mean, you may do some of that, but when it's the difference of, I have to hustle to find work to put food on the table and not just to maybe further my career at this particular firm. It's, it, it adds a different sort of uh, sense of urgency uh, to it all. And so I kept doing it. And over the years, I've, I've done it for about seven years now, and um, actually seven years this month um, of, of March that I started. And over that time, I've gotten busier and, and, um, I've just kept doing it. Now my kids, uh, I think, you know, um, we've mentioned them here on the show. They're younger. Um, they started school back when I first started. So, uh, having the opportunity to, to work from home and to volunteer in their classrooms and go on field trips with them or chaperone field trips, uh, was something that, uh, I took advantage of. Let's put it that way. Cause I could. And, um, but over the last couple of years, I've been working mostly full time um, as I've had projects, and you know that doing everything on your on your own uh, has gotten me to a point where, at least for the types of projects I've been able to get, um, I've made a certain amount of money, and the, I've done it almost two years in a row. I've been very consistent in that regard, and so I really started to look at. What am I doing and what am I doing wrong or what am I doing right? I mean, there were some things I was doing right, but there was probably a lot of things I wasn't. And then I really had to consider, you know, is my heart in this? Um, and so, um, you know, looking towards the future and uh, trying to decide uh, what exactly to do about that. Do I want to keep working on my own? Because at the point that I got to last year, it was, I was kind of on that, that point where I think a lot of sole practitioners are at, especially as the economy's gotten better the last few years is uh, I need help. And do I branch out and either hire that help or go get consultants to work for me? Um, you know, what do I do? And I think I didn't really think of it this way at first, although I think after talking to a few people that I respect and consider mentors um, uh, to myself, I, I had to look back and answer a question about why did I start my firm? And uh, this this question was posed to me, and and really the 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 two an- the the two responses were. Was it to have my own firm or was it something to do after being laid off? And I really had to look in into myself and decide, you know, what was the reason I did this? And I had to be honest with myself and say, you know, I really did this because it was something I could do after being laid off. It wasn't a goal of mine to go out and start my own firm and, and build a firm all on my own. I mean, I've, 
over the last seven years, I've had that, um, that thought or that expectation at some point, I thought maybe that's what I would do. And I've collaborated with other people on some projects and thought, man, this might work well. Maybe we could, you know, grow this into something and just didn't, it didn't happen for various reasons. Um, and so after looking back on it, I decided that, um, I didn't want to make that step. Um, I mean, I, I kind of looked at the the ways to do it, um, but just ultimately had to come back on, I didn't really want to do it. And so with that being the case, um, I actually reached out to a firm that, uh, that I've actually worked with before and they were looking and, uh, I, you know, I talked to them and they said, well, we'd love to have you back and, uh, this would be a good opportunity. And, um, so it's, so I, I took them up on it. And uh, I was also at a point uh, with my ongoing projects where pretty much everything had kind of fallen off. Uh, I'd finished a bunch of projects, really didn't have anything else going. And so it was almost a good time to, to make that break. And, uh, and so, uh, so I decided to, to try it. And um, I've been at it now as of this recording, just not even a week, actually. But uh, it, it's, it's different. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a little... Um, it's a little strange going back to the same firm that I worked for, for a number of years before it's, it's been a, it's been over a decade since I've worked there, uh, and they've moved locations. So that's actually kind of nice that I'm not in the same exact office again and kind of, uh, dealing with those ghosts, if you will. But, uh, but it's a, it's, it's a different situation and one I'm just kind of getting back into and getting adjusted to. Um, you know, going in in the morning, um, I, I get in later, I get in around nine because I have to drop my kids off at eight 30. So I'm still doing that. Um, but, uh, but I'm not picking them up now. And, you know, there, there's, there'll be changes that, uh, take place now since I don't have that, uh, flexibility. Although I will say, um, they're very, uh, flexible. Uh, and in fact, just this week, as of this recording, my daughter got sick at school and I ended up having to leave, leave the office on like the third day. And, uh, after only being there for an hour in the morning and have to go pick her up. And, um, you know, I, I have a laptop, uh, a company issued laptop. So I ended up logging in and, and working from home that day. So, uh, so I still have some of that flexibility. And, um, and that's good. And it, it's, it's also very close to my home. Um, it's, it's maybe a 10 minute or 10 to 15 minute drive, uh, from my house. So that's, uh, that, that's another factor is that it's very close. I'm not actually having to commute to something like San Francisco, which would be like 90 minutes for me. Um, and so, uh, so I'm still close of enough. Soul sucking traffic of soul sucking traffic. Exactly. Exactly. So there's there's a lot of interesting dynamics at play when you're running your own firm and potentially going back to work somewhere else that or maybe that somewhere you've already been. Right. You've got you've got the dynamics of the family and and your wife and the how much money you're making and how much you're paying in taxes. And uh, but then you've got all the, the other trade offs at stake. So. Um, you probably won't be running as much. You probably won't be doing as much time in the classroom with the kids. And these are all like real f- struggles that we all kind of have to deal with. Some of us yeah. have to deal with some more than others. But it's tough when you are so involved in your kid's school and the Cub Scouts and the Boy Scouts and you're doing stuff with your daughter and you're and you're doing all your training for the marathons and 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 now you're going back to work for a place where you've got to give up a lot of that flexibility. And and what's interesting to me, Neil, about this is like a lot of people seem to be going the other way, right? They're leaving the big firm for something on their own and they and they want to give that a try. And and you are at the point now where you're going back to the firm. And I was just talking to a friend of mine today who who did something similar. He he was gone for like seven years and he had a bunch of money saved up and it slowly depleted until there was none left. And then it's like, well, I guess I got to go back and get a, a, a job again and uh, put my kids through college. And, you know, it's it's like actually really hard decisions to make. And and you feel like you never quite know what the right decisions are. And I'm sure you had a lot of that going on, too. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I know this. It's not been an easy decision. Um 
I mean, one of the, uh, you mentioned save, you know, sending the kids to college. I mean, my children are seven or eight years away from that. And so like tomorrow, <laughs> it feels like, uh, they'll be going very soon. And, um, yeah, the way I, I kind of, um, have put it, it, there's a couple of things. One, um, the type of work that I've been able to obtain, um, the area that I live in, um, there's more, uh, wealthier areas nearby, but not living directly there. It's been tough to kind of break into that market. Um, so I've been getting projects that just are, are not, uh, you know, they don't pay that well. It's hard. And so one of the challenges I've been dealing with over the last couple of years as work has been more abundant, I mean, people call me a lot more, is that uh, um, that the types of work that I've been getting calls about uh, have been jobs that really you can't charge a lot for. And so the challenge I've had is that I'm hitting a, a limit on what I can charge for the type of work that I've been getting. And you know, there's, there's definitely decisions to be made there about, okay, well, let's, let's go focus and try and get other type of work. And, um, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't that successful at trying to do that. So I just kind of took things as they came, but, but I found that I was beginning to, in order to make enough money to pay taxes, to pay, you know, especially as we head towards April here, uh, and I've got this huge looming tax bill to, to deal with, is that in order to charge enough to to take care of things, I'm pricing myself out of the kind of market that I've been in. So there, fundamentally, my own business, I needed to make a change. I either, you know, I needed to go find other types of projects, or if I was going to continue doing the types of projects, I needed to find more efficient ways or cheaper ways to get those projects done, so that I could do more and make, uh, you know, a better income at it. And, um, those were decisions, you know, that I had to weigh, but really, as I look back over the last five to seven years is I've really kind of been in a survival mode is kind of the way I described it, uh, to myself, uh, as I looked at this decision and the, the personal stress that, that has been on myself and, uh, you know, my own mental well-being, and then, and also the mental well-being of my family really is that when you have your own practice, uh, you know, some months are really good and, you know, you get a couple of billings out and, uh, you know, things are, you've got some money in the bank. It's like, okay. Yeah. I got the, they got the mortgage covered this month and, and maybe next month. Okay. That's great. Well then, you know, due to you know, either projects or billing schedules or you know, many different factors, it might be another month or two before you get, you know, some, some amount of money in. And so it's very stressful. Um, and then you've, you've got this looming costs of kids going to school, saving for retirement. These are all things that in this survival mode I've been in that I have not been able to do. Yeah, you just put it on hold. Yeah, you've exactly. Everything's been put on hold. And, and part of that even being on hold is maintenance around the house and the yards, uh, you know, just, there's no money to take care of anything. And so, um, you know, there, then there's a lot of factors for that. I mean, there are, you know, if you're a sole proprietor and you're doing well and you're, you know, making some money, then some of those stresses don't exist. It may be to the extent that I was experiencing them. And, uh, so they, again, I had to go back to the question that I started this with was, uh, you know, was, why did I start the firm? And because I didn't start it to go have my own firm and to make that decision to, to do that, it made it much more difficult for me to make it a success. And quite honestly, it was like, I, I had to make that decision was, do I want to make it a success and make that choice and do that? Or do I want to try and do something different? And uh, I, I made the choice to try and do something different, and taking this job is is part of that. Well, I mean, I, I know Evan that you know we've we kind of been there with you, Neil. I mean, we've uh, um, had like I, I worked for myself, you know, and did that whole leap before I looked and kind of uh, started a design firm before I really, you know, knew what the hell I was doing. And, uh, same time, you know, the recession kind of kicked me, 
kicked me out of it because I wasn't quite prepared. I mean, we were doing projects and doing the survival mode like you were, Neil. And, and it was, and there's that, that whole level of stress that you've been dealing with that we've talked about on several different podcasts about where's your next job coming from? Where's the next meal, you know, kind of thing. And it just, I don't think that people who've only worked in a firm see that part of the green grass on the other side. They just see, Ooh, you know, it's going to be better because, you know, I don't, no one's going to have to, you know, no one's going to tell me what to do. And, and, uh, once you start getting into having to deal with doing all of the taxes, doing all of the business planning, doing, getting out there, knocking on doors to try to drum up all of the uh, new business and all of this other stuff. Doing absolutely everything. Yeah, as well as doing all of the production work that that's the only part that they're ever used to is just that little small isolated part when you've got all of this bigger stuff that you need to deal with. That actually is probably more stress than just dealing with the inner office politics or, oh, my project manager was mean to me today because, you know, we missed a deadline or whatever. You know, oh, I'm done with this. I can't take it anymore. I'm going to go open up my own firm. Oh, that's that's the can of worms that they're just not quite fully understanding. You know, and, and the, that stress, you know, I mean... <laughs> to say you can't stress enough how much stress there really is when it comes to you know working for yourself and every sole practitioner listening is probably nodding their head saying yeah it's 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 insane the amount of stress you know you're more surprised at you being able to get any work done when you're trying to do all of the other stuff yeah i i totally did that with uh, if i was in a partnership with one guy and then it turned into three of us and just different personalities and and then all of the stresses of all the different things that come along with just running the business and i think that's one of the things we all get kind of caught up in or um at least when we're starting out and something that i i definitely experienced with my wife having her own company also recently that she ended up closing down as well uh very similarly because she just could not handle it anymore. And man, like life has gotten actually a lot better uh, for us just because she's not as stressed out. And so the the whole mental well-being and those points are really well taken because it was it was really hard. And I and honestly, like just owning a business is not something for everybody. Um, but I'm I'm glad you did it. I mean, I, and I think that something that you were just mentioning there, Cormac, is I think these are all just different things you have to learn and I and and it's just lucky if if you actually pull it off the first time you try it. I've I've oh, had yeah. 3 of my own businesses and none of them have worked out and I don't regret that one bit. I think that no. it's all really great experience and I want to do it again someday. Um it's definitely something I want to try and and do better. The, the point I guess I was trying to make was a lot of times we get stuck working in the business not on the business and I and that's really hard to do when you're the only one that you can actually count on, right? It's mm-hmm. it's hard for us to delegate. It's hard to find somebody you can trust. It's hard to find somebody who cares about it as much as you do. Um, and, and if you don't find those people, then you're relying on yourself. And then you are working in the business. You're doing all the production work on the day-to-day. And then the books fall behind. And then you're just constantly playing catch-up and you're just reacting. And it's right. so hard. Um, I, I totally get it. You know, and, and Neil, it's the so we can boast by saying, yeah, you know, we've got eight hour days, you know, cause I punch in, I punch out, you know, they're paying me for my 40 hours a week and you know, that's what we do kind of thing. But you know, as well as every other person out there listening that, you know, is doing the daily grind of a sole practitioner or, you know, really small firms that, um, it's not an eight hour day. It's it's far from an eight hour day. It's you know it it could be sixteen hour days sometimes, could be no hour days sometimes. But you know that fluctuation is probably more stress than just the the punching of the clock going in and going out kind of thing. And um, you know that's kind of rough. But what I was what I wanted to say is that what's and I don't know if, if and if this was your experience, but when I transitioned from working in a firm. Then five years of kind of working, you know, in a a partnership of two to then going back and not working for myself. 
the firm that I worked for, I was so hard on. I judged them as like, oh, I wouldn't do that, you know, and, and it was just, it was kind of, it was kind of rough to transition back into being an employee instead of being an employer. And it's, but what's interesting though, is a lot of times, you know, I kind of take a step back and I look at, I've never really had any designs of going back out there um, and getting into the things yet. You know, I don't know if I'm, you know, mentally ready or I know I'm not, you know, licensure ready and all that other stuff. That's a different story in itself, but um, it's just, you know, this, the stress, you know, I, I, I more look at the stress. It's just like, you know, I remember those days where I had, $14 $14 in my business account. And I was wondering where everything was. When, 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 when <laughs> the bank's going to take 15 just to have the account. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm going to overdraft because, you know, the service charges and, you know, and, and everything else. And it's just, you know, um, I, I think your peace of mind might just, I think you may have just saved your sanity. You know, I don't know. Well, um, it, it's kind of, yeah. I'm sure it feels bittersweet. It's definitely bittersweet, um, and the uh, I, I the what you just said about like oh I wouldn't do that or I not oh that's a huge thing uh, for me because for the first time in my career I was able to work on my Mac eight hours a day all day and and uh, use the program that I chose right. And that was, that's very hard for me to give up. I mean, I'm working in a firm now that's all PC windows based. Yay. Windows 10. I've never actually used it until the first Mm -hmm. day I started there. I was like, what the hell is this? Um, but, uh, you know, I'm having to go back there and, and to do that again. And, uh, uh, and, and, you know, just, just simple things. Yeah. It's, it's definitely hard, but I, I'm, I'm entering this with the attitude of keep your head down, you know, do, do the work. I mean, I'm kind of entering right now in a position to, to get some stuff done that they need accomplished on several projects. And, you know, so it's really a lot of production work, which is something, um, that I've, I've done a lot of in my career and probably at this stage is not necessarily how I'm going to make my living, um, in the future. But, uh, I agreed to help them get this prod, these projects done and out. And it's a good way for me to learn, uh, their system again. And, uh, you know, just kind of get back into the firm, get some work done, show that I can do it. And, uh, you know, then the future can take itself from there, uh, as far as, uh, growing or taking on more responsibility in the firm, which is something I did before I left. Um, you know, I was a project manager. I had clients of my own and was managing, you know, uh, several people and such. And, and I'm not entering with that, uh, sort of position in right now, but you know, I'll get there. And, um, you know, so we'll see how it goes. Um, it's a little strange going back, um, definitely, but to speak to what you said about working and, and, and stress, um, it is going to be another change for like, Hey, when Friday comes, yeah, I can put this in the drawer and I don't think about it again until Monday, right? <laughs> and <laughs> well, we'll see how long you that die. lasts, right? But I think you. here's the dif- the difference for me is give that- him six months, Cormac. Well, yeah, give me six, six months, months, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe two, uh, or maybe <laughs> maybe two weeks. But I think the difference here is that um, you know the the requirements or the expectations that a lot of uh, individual clients. I mean, it's just you know, uh, I tried not to work weekends as so much, and and sometimes I just couldn't. But uh, but it, you have this this stress that you're essentially working all the time. You're yeah. always on the job, and so it's like, oh, there's a couple hours Saturday morning I can get something done, or a client can only meet you on the weekends because they're working and. Uh, and so it's like, okay, well, I'll take that Saturday meeting or that Saturday afternoon meeting. And, uh, so, you know, or you're 
using that time to get ahead, right? It's like uh, taking care of the invoicing or something. Okay, well, I don't have time during the week, so I'll do that on Sunday morning, you know, before everybody gets up and the day gets started, I'm I'm doing those things. So uh, some of that can go away. Um, and so I think that I'm, I'm in some ways kind of looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely trade-offs and, and a little bittersweet, but uh, I think the proximity of where the firm is uh, in relation to where I live, uh, having the flexibility, like I said earlier with, you know, my daughter getting sick, unfortunately. And, you know, it's like, there's, there's still some of that flexibility there. Um, but, uh, but then there's other flexibility that's, that's not going to be there. All right. I I have a question for you uh, and I'm going to let you think about it because I'm going to do the sponsor read so that you can actually think about this, but think about this. What, what was the best thing that you learned by having your own company or the, or the, maybe the biggest lesson you, you can pick or, or you can go a different direction if you want, but think about that. I'm going to, I'll do the sponsor breed here. All right. So we are sponsored by RCAT this week once again. And so RCAT asked, what's the one thing we all do in our practice? We search the internet for content, right? Well, we want to let you know about RCAT.com. You guys have all heard about RCAT. It's an online resource devoted to bringing content to the building professional. They have huge libraries you can access, and they don't hit you up for subscriptions. There are no fees, and they won't make you register to download the content. We've all been there, and you finally get the right file, and you get blocked with a registration pop-up, and you think, thanks for wasting my time. I will find it somewhere else. RCAT's BIM library is really second to none and available in just about any format you need. In fact, their entire BIM library is formatted for the last five versions of Revit. Their CAD detail library has thousands of CAD details, and if you need specs, the RCAT library is the most consistent library you will find. Every single spec is written in the CSI three-part format. There's so much more on their site, including catalogs, videos, and SpecWizard. Go to RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. Or download their app and check it all out. It's a great free resource, keyword free resource, that you don't have to register to use. All right, so that's rcat.com, A-R-C-A-T dot com. And thank you, Arcat, for making the show possible. All right, did you think about it? I did. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, so if, if anyone has forgotten, uh, you know, what was the biggest lesson I learned from being on my own? I think that was it, right? Yep. I would have to say, looking back on it, is that the, probably the biggest thing I learned, and this is going to sound kind of silly, maybe, uh, or, you know, you know, the initial thing is, oh, I learned that I, um, you know, I learned this, or I learned what I'm good at and what I like to do. I think that's probably the biggest lessons I learned. So do you mean like the opposite is also true? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> what I don't like to do and maybe what I'm not good at. Yeah. Uh, as I uh, mentioned earlier that I had done some collaborations over the years uh, that I was on my own and, uh, and I saw in some of those collaborations, you know, people that had either experiences or talents that I didn't have that I thought, you know, and, and, you know, Cormac, you've been in a partnership and Evan, you too. And there's lots of dangers there, but I'm, I knew the things and I probably, I knew these things even years ago that, um, it was probably why I didn't want to, uh, go out on my own, uh, before this happened is that I knew there were things that I either didn't like to do, or I knew were not my strengths. And, um, so I, I would seek those out in those qualities and other, in other colleagues. And, um, you know, but that never happened. And, uh, you know, for various reasons, uh, just people weren't in the same, same space that I was or same, uh, situation or same, you know, wanted to do that. And that's fine. But I think I learned over the seven years I did, this was, uh, definitely things I didn't like to do or that I like to do, but I also discovered probably a little bit more about, what I know I'm good at. And, um, and so I say that, I think that's probably the, the biggest things that I learned, um, over that time. So this is the, the beginning of a new era. This is going to be like a, a big changeover. And so I guess going into this new 
position that you've got. I'm sure a lot of people ask you, you know, what, what you've been up to, especially since you're going back to a firm you previously worked at. And I'm sure there are people there who you knew that, yep. that have been there the whole time. So I guess I'm interested to know with having your own practice, what, I don't know, I don't want to say project, I don't want to skew this, but what is the thing you are the most proud of that you accomplished having your own business? Wow. I don't get a sponsor read to think about this one, huh? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm sure there has to be some highlights. Yeah. I think that um, over the time, I think the things that I'm probably most proud of is that I was able to actually do it, that I was able to convince people to pay me money to do what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's definitely something, there's, there's something to be said for being able to sell yourself, uh, and to convince somebody to hire you. And I wasn't always successful, but, uh, but for the people that, uh, that do that were very happy with the job that you did or the house that they're now living in because of what you did, um, you know, that will have a lasting impact on them and their families or their kids for as long as they're there, right. In that, in that particular house or that particular remodel or addition that I did, um, or building, um, that I did. So, um, I think that's probably what I'm most definitely proud of. I mean, one of the buildings I did was, uh, uh, um, uh, a small outbuilding on this, you know, fairly wealthy couples, uh, property that they use for family dinners. I mean, they even, uh, the photographer who took the photos, they hired him to actually take photos of one of these family gatherings and make a book out of it. I mean, this is something that is a huge part of their family and, uh, uh, you know, they have huge parties and, you know, these large family gatherings, and this is now the central location for all of those activities. And, you know, I designed that. Um, and so, um, that's probably, you know, what I'm most proud of is the effect that I've had on, you know, the, the projects that I have done. There's only a few that are shown on my website that, uh, that, you know, were photographed and such, but I've done a lot of other things that weren't necessarily photographed. And, um, so I, I'm, I'm most proud of that. And, um, uh, I think that's, that's probably the, the biggest thing that I can look back on. And yeah, it's cool. You know, I don't think that uh, this is the end either of it's just a it's a different chapter. It's a turning of the page. Uh, I think over the uh, the years that I've been on my own and what I bring now back to this firm is is a wealth of knowledge and um, experience that I didn't have if I had continued to work there. Um, I think I bring a different skill set to to their uh, to that firm now that I wouldn't have possessed before. So I think there's, that's valuable. And I, I hope to eventually be able to, um, you know, over, over time, be able to exhibit that and, 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 uh, use that, uh, in, in, to benefit the firm. There's something about being a one, two person firm that the, the way you communicate with your clients becomes far more personalized. And I, I think that, the way that I deal with clients in a larger firm setting is a lot different than somebody who's never had, never experienced sitting one-on-one with a client at a dinner table and talking to them about what really makes, what's really going to make their, their house or even in the case of like, you know, environmental education center, it was still, we sat around his dining room table for a while, you know, talking about, you know, the visions that he had. And it was, you know, it was great to have the one-on-one that, you know, made you personalize the, um, the, the way that you handle clients a a lot different than, um, than you do on these larger, you know? And, and so as that translates into the way that you're going to be dealing with clients, um, I think, they're probably going to be far more receptive and far more um, appreciative of the way they work with you versus the way that they work with, you know, someone who, you know, kind of deals with it in a more corporate manner. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me ask you this. So I, I, I have two questions. One, I'm not sure 
when it, I mean, it's kind of a little tougher. Um, and it's coming <laughs> from a little bit more, you know, of, of, of my own personal feelings of, of the matter. But the, let, let me ask you this. So now you're, you're entering into, you know, it's not like this place is unfamiliar to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you worked there before. Um, but you know, what, what kind of apprehensions do you have going into this now that you, one, haven't been there for over a decade and two, you've been working on your own for, you know, seven years. Um, what kind of apprehensions do you have kind of going back into the, the grind of, you know, being the, uh, the employee? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what apprehensions I have. Well, I, I think I already mentioned one. I mean, the fact that I'm, now going to spend my days in a platform that makes me utterly sick to my stomach. Um, <laughs> uh, Windows is not that damn bad, really. Don't I mean, let's not go there. Let, let's stay on topic here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean anybody who follows me knows uh, what I you know the platform of of my choice. But um, I mean that, that on, I, you know to be serious Linux. though, I mean that yeah Linux. <laughs> Evan doesn't want to have to bleep me out here. Okay. Um, anyway, um, I, I mean, there definitely is that apprehension of having to go back and do this. Um, I mean, I, I really enjoyed being able to, uh, roll my own stuff, so to speak, and not use even office and Excel or none of that crap. I've been able to use the programs that I enjoy, uh, using, um, and that, uh, I enjoy, um, being in front of, you know, this visually pleasing to me in a way that windows just turns my stomach. <laughs> so there's definitely that apprehension. I, the other it's apprehension, cool, to be honest with you is, uh, what they're asking me to do right now is to come in and work on some fairly large multifamily projects. Uh, multifamily, uh, dealing with, uh, you know, uh, the type two construction and, or R2 and instead of R3 and two hour walls and, you know, dealing with the fire code and, and sound, you know, STC sound, you know, approved assemblies and all that. Mm -hmm. That's all stuff I have some familiarity with, but nothing that I've actually spent a lot of time in my career doing. And so, uh, am I a little apprehensive about that? Absolutely. Uh, because pretty much my whole career has been spent doing single family detached, um, you know, residential work. I'd say it's... the bulk of my work, right? But are you excited about the new challenge? Um, I'm, I'm definitely, um, I, I'm a little nervous about it. Because I'm being well, thrown into it, and uh, I mean, I'm the licensed architect who doesn't know a whole lot about doing a multifamily, you know, you know attached but, building. But people switch jobs that, and they switch, um, you know, building types and things like that. That they've got to, you know, throw themselves into a learning curve and stuff like that. You know, I, I, I'm, I, I mean, I. I see. I most certainly see where I'm, you're coming from. Let me because... let me put it this way: I'm looking forward to the opportunity of adding this building type to That's my expertise. All right. That's yeah. No. Trying to pull out of you, man. I, I mean, I, I I would be much happier if I, or I I should say it would be much easier for me. I shouldn't say happier. It would be much easier for me if they just said, "Oh, here's some single family production projects or customs well, but... that we're doing. Here, go work on that stuff." That would be easy. I mean, because I've done it, right? That's in my wheelhouse. It might make the transition a little easier. But uh, I'm being asked to do something I'm not that familiar with. But I am looking forward to having, because quite honestly, here in the Bay Area where I live and and land values and uh, just population growth, I mean, everything is going multifamily. Oh, yeah. Three, four, five stories, podium buildings. I mean... When I look at my career for the next 20 or 30 years, that's the kind of building that is going to get built here in the Bay Area. I mean, the single, the days of the the large single family detached development, you know, eating up acres and acres of property here in California is going out the window. I mean, and it's not happening. DC area. I mean, it it there. You're not. You'll you'll be hard pressed unless it's in an established neighborhood and they're gonna you know, buy a, uh, 
half a million to a million dollar, you know, tear down, right. you're not going to get very many brand new, you know, um, housing developments. Cause they just, you know, unless you're way out in the country, right. I mean, everything close to the city, like what you're, you know, dealing with now is going right. to be high rises. And, you know, I, I, th- I think it's an interesting challenge. I mean, I, I mean, I, I've always kind of relished the fact of being able to get very nervous like you are and, you know, kind of, you know, kind of being pushed out of my comfort zone and, you know, trying a new building and stuff like that, you know, because I, I realize and I'm pretty sure you're going to realize pretty quickly because, you know, it's, it's not like you don't have anything to bring to the table. You, you've, you've got all of this wealth of experience and, and knowledge that you're bringing to it that you're going to find it's like, well, you know, multifamily's got all of these different facets to it that are I don't really deal with in single family, but there's so much stuff that you have to deal with the single family that sometimes is always forgotten because you just kind of blow it up in the multifamily that, you know, you think you're going to be able to, you know, push yourself into a, a direction that you may not be seeing right now because you're just kind of, you know, it's it's all new to you. But I think you're going to love the, the challenge of it all. I'm sure we've talked about this before, but I, I feel it all the time too, Neil. It's, it's called imposter syndrome. <laughs> and <it's, laughs> Yes, yes, you, absolutely. You just, you're like, I can't believe that they're trusting me to do this, right? Uh, and and because we're all the the funny thing is everybody's faking it. It's it's not just us. And you know when I think back to the partnership that I was in, those projects that I did are probably still some of the projects that I am the most proud of that I've ever done. Um, yeah. And and then I look at what I'm doing now, and it's just so different. They're so big, and I walk into these projects, and I feel like I can't believe that they're letting me do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm. And and I'm extremely fortunate. I feel like I I really I was just talking to somebody today or yesterday at lunch, and I was just like I can't believe what I actually get to do. And I can drive all around Southern California and point to the different projects that I've either done or worked on or whatever um, with the firm I'm with now and and previous to that as well. And and it just kind of blows me away, especially when it's under construction. And I feel like I'm just getting away with something. You know, I. I <laughs> I I walk into a space and I'm just like, holy crap, they're actually building this. Like all I did was draw it and now it's actually being built for real. And so I, I totally get what you're saying. It's like when you, when I think once you, once it gets a little more real, right. When, when this project that you have been brought in to kind of shepherd along and, and make sure it gets done right. And they actually build this thing. It's going to be a whole new ball game, right? Because Compared to the the small projects that you've been doing, um, which all by yourself, um, and now you're you're working with a, a large group of people and this team, and and they could be in remote locations, and you're coordinating all these consultants, and it's just a different ball game. And and when that thing gets built, it's I mean you've done this before, you know what it's like to walk into those, you know, go out, go out and do some construction observation or whatever, and it's like. Man, I can't believe they're actually building this thing, and it and it just adds a whole new dimension to your career. That's just so completely different. For me, it's hard to pick which one I like. I like better, but uh, I'm glad I've done it. I've done both, and I, I guess that's one of the more interesting things, and and something that you you hung on to for quite a long time is just that you actually went off and did it on your own. And there's so many people who will just never do that and never understand it that. Um, it's kind of cool that you had the opportunity that you did it and and now you're trying something else and you're going to just like add that other dimension to your portfolio and to your life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Cormac, one other apprehension about this is that, uh, as listeners know, I, I serve on the uh, planning commission of the city I live in. And, um, I've actually, a couple of years ago, turned down a, a consulting gig for the same firm that uh, they they were looking for somebody to to get some construction drawings done on a custom house that they had designed, and I actually turned it down because they were the architects for two or three different projects that were going to be coming before the planning commission. Uh, very important projects, very polarizing in town. I mean. The, the one meeting we had, we had probably a, a hundred people hmm. in the audience and about 35 speakers. And, um, it, my position on the planning commission to me is very important. 
and um, having that um, uh, as the only architect actually on our planning commission, uh, which is also a design review commission as well, or design review board, uh, we do both duties. And uh, having that is very important to me and being able to contribute and having to step aside and say, well, I have a conflict of interest and I've got to step aside um, is something I, I didn't want to do at the time. And so that was definitely that. And unfortunately, our downtown has a big oh, vacant area due to a, an old um, uh, shopping center that uh, is is now gone. And so it's this gaping hole downtown that is going to drastically change the the downtown of the of the city I live in when it uh, eventually gets developed. And the city's taking proposals on that now. And the firm I work for is actually one of the architects for the developer that's going to is uh, one of the two currently uh, that were selected to do a proposal in, in I think, May, April or May. Uh, and so uh, if the firm I'm working for ends up being the one that's chosen, here's this hugely important project that's going to reshape our entire downtown uh, for the rest of my life, you know, decades that I will live here uh, in the future. And I will have to say, yeah, I have a conflict of interest and I have to step aside. And so that, that pains me to, to yeah. potentially have that. I mean, I've already talked to the city attorney and he, I knew this, but he's like, yeah, no, you, you can't, you're dead on this project. You can't say anything. You can't, there's nothing. You just keep your mouth shut, step aside. And it's like, oh my gosh, really? I mean, this is huge. This is, it's, it's going to be a big deal. And, and, uh, they do other projects for developers that are doing projects in this town as well. And so any of those in the future, the only thing I, I told myself was that, um, in another just over two and a half years, I'm termed out on the planning commission. So, uh, I've spent five, almost five and a half years on, and I've never had to step aside. Actually, that's not true. One time I did for another reason, but, um, you know, that that's real critical to me. So I, I look at it as well, you know, I'll take, I'll roll the dice and, take my chances and take this opportunity now. And if I do have to step aside, I mean, the city's on board. It's not like, Oh my God, now he has to step aside. This is horrible. Or no, they're, they're totally on board. Um, they understand and it does happen. Um, so, right. uh, and you know, so that was another apprehension I had to weigh. Um, but I, I make a lot more money working for them than I do getting my stipend from the city. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but that was another apprehension I, I had. And, and you're right, Evan, I am looking forward to adding this experience because, uh, as you mentioned, I don't even know what this is going to do for me and my career um, in the future. I mean, the experience of, of doing a project like this or several projects like this and, and getting them done and built and adding this to my, uh, expertise, I mean, could lead me in directions that I can't even anticipate right now. Yep. Oh, and you'll, you'll love it. So let me ask this question. Now, this is actually not necessarily directed just to you, Neil. And Evan, you can feel this as well because so, and you, you guys both sort of, touched on the answer um, a little bit, but I kind of want to ask it anyway, because this is something that anybody and everybody who's faced shuttering um, their, uh, their business kind of sits and reflects, um, you know, even though you've had, you know, exciting projects or you've, you've felt very proud of, you know, projects that you've done um, on your own, you know, you're going to sit there and, and I've sat there numerous times thinking about, you know, dwelling over, you know, oh man, what went wrong or, you know, what the, what could I have done better? Um, but I also think, and I'm and this is the, this is the question is, do I think I'm a failure or, you know, or, you know, how am I dealing with the failure of, you know, shuttering my business? I mean, do you think you failed or do you just think that this is a, um, 
and, and I and it's a it, it's a really hard question. It really is. No, it's 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 a very appropriate question. I thank you for asking it and bringing it up because do I have that? Uh, let me answer it this way. Yes, I mean there's definitely times that I've sat down and and felt that way. Um, I think if you had asked me this a week ago when I was first making this decision, there there I felt uh, maybe more so. Mm-hmm. But again, the way I looked at this, and I, I go back to the very first question uh, that I mentioned uh, at the beginning of this show, was why did I start my firm? And the answer that I ultimately gave myself, uh, which was you know something to do after being laid off, was not the answer that I needed to have and not the mental state I needed to be in to be successful on my own. And so did I fail? I probably failed at being in the right state uh, or making the decision to be successful on my own. I think I just took jobs as they came and just kind of puttered along and I did, I had some success, but that wasn't my goal. And as we mentioned in our last episode about goals, I didn't have that goal. I didn't make a goal to be successful and to have a larger firm or to just be super successful on my own. I mean, that was certainly an implied goal, but never something that I really wrote down. So what's helped me kind of come to terms a little bit with that question is that I really didn't fail at something I set out to do. Um, and maybe I'm splitting hairs here, but no. but I, I think that I never really made the decision to be a successful soul practitioner. And so um, I'm trying to basically justify it and say that I don't think I really failed because I didn't really set out as that as my goal. So, um, but yes, I mean, there's definitely some, uh, definitely some aspects of this of like, uh, you know, should, could I have done something different or could I have, I mean, really, because quite honestly, right as I was trying to weigh this offer, um, I, I got like three or four calls about doing new projects and, and most of those don't ever turn into anything, but it's like, really? You know, I don't hear mm-hmm. from anybody for like two or three weeks and nothing is happening. And, and the one little consulting gig, they don't need me for a few weeks and I've got nothing. Boom. Here's this offer. And then right as I get this offer, I get two or three calls to do some potential projects. I'm like, really do I, you know, and, and that was the, the, this the moment of, well, I've got several calls and do I call those people back. And I mean, I did, but you know, do I go after them aggressively and try and get those projects or do I take this other deal? And I think for me, it was, this is not something that I decided on the spur of the moment. This wasn't like a week ago. I just decided, okay, I'm going to go do this. This has really been leading up to, uh, for several months. Um, and I, I actually consciously made certain decisions to take on certain projects or not to take on certain projects, um, knowing that I think I needed to make a change. Um, and, uh, this opportunity just came up at a good time that it would, it made it, uh, a good time to make that change. Yeah. I think that when you, <laughs> failure is a touchy word, right? Because right. I'm, I'm happy to admit that several of my business ideas and businesses themselves have failed because I don't view that as a bad thing because you learn from it. But a lot of people don't like to be labeled that, right? So I I get it. Like I said before, I don't regret any of it. And even though I do consider them failures, um, that to me, it was, man, I I know so much more because I failed at that stuff. Exactly. And and that was, to me, I'd way rather see people take the risk and oh, yeah. do that and gain the experience because you become so much better um, once you actually know what those those things to look out for are. You know, once you know the pitfalls, like, it's a lot easier to make good decisions after that. But if you don't oh, even sure. know what they are and you don't do them, uh, you don't have that experience. Uh, you just I don't I don't even think that your experience can compare to those it's, who have. Them. You know, and that and that's the and that's kind of where I was going. Is it's 
so 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 Neil, you're gonna feel like you know, right? You've you've shuddered this, and and it's something that was your baby for you know the past seven years, and you know you may personally feel kind of bad about it, and then you know reflect back and forth about you know the guilt because because you know it's just I always thought oh could I have done something better could I have but but at the end of the day you know one I got to do some really great projects and I got to do. You know, I designed an award-winning project that um, is, you know, now integrated into the um, educational curriculum of seven different counties in North Florida, immersing kids in environmental education. And it, it's it's my building that they're going to. And, you know... It's not yours. It is my God. <laughs> um it anyway, you know where I'm going with it. Yeah. But you know, but I do honestly feel that I am a better professional for doing what I did. It yeah. may have been absolutely some of the stupidest things that I've done, you know, um trying to do things, you know, before I was really ready for them and everything else. And, you know, I recognize that, but I also feel like I'm a much better professional for it. Uh I'll tell you this, Cormac. Um and this is something I hadn't really considered before, but when my kids bring home a test and they didn't do that well, or they, uh, they didn't, they failed at something, right? Um, I've always told them you learn when you fail. If you didn't do that well on a test, you've learned something you learned, um, you know, that you, that you, uh, you don't know that and you need to, I mean, if you're always getting a hundred percent all the time, what are you really learning? And, uh, so I've always tried to, to, um, uh, make them feel better by saying, Hey, you know, you, we learn by the things that we fail at. Right. And which is exactly what you just said, Evan. And, uh, I hadn't really considered that, uh, this venture that way. And, and I should probably take a little bit of my own advice. And and, and, and uh, you will, you know, it takes time to, to do that type of reflection. I think it's, it's not something that just pops in and, and Yep. Here's here's the five points. I mean, it's, and I think we've asked you some questions tonight, but I think you, you you'll probably actually get to think about them <laughs> over the next <laughs> few months, uh, and, and you might even change your mind about some things, and and you'll of course remember things that you're not remembering right now, and I think it'll be right. interesting maybe to revisit this in a little while, where it, once you've kind of stewed over it a little bit more, and things have changed for a little bit more of a, a normal schedule, and you, you'll, I think things will kind of settle in to your brain and, and, and you'll be reminded of things later on. And it might be interesting to talk about later. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, our listeners, uh, you know, we'll be, uh, we'll be attending the AIA conference in Philly. You can come up and ask me then yeah, there you uh, go. you've got a few months <laughs> between now and then, and that, that might be a perfect time to, to do a little, to have a more, uh, reflection on it by then. Yeah. Cool. So, well, guys, thank you very much for asking some tough questions, but I think, uh, I think a lot of our listeners, uh, will hopefully gain some, uh, some insight on, on my situation and, and maybe it's very similar to yours. You've been considering something similar or, uh, or you've done something similar. So if you have, let us know, visit our website at arcaspeakpodcast.com and there you'll find links of all the episodes we've done. And you can also sign up for the newsletter. There's links on just about every page there. And that'll include everything we mentioned in the episode, links to things and, uh, and, and the subject titles and stuff like that. So, uh, between those episodes, join us on the conversation by leaving comments on the site. Again, that's arcaspeakpodcast.com and on our Facebook page. We really appreciate We've been posting some things there and we've been getting some great feedback. So we, we really like that. Again, thanks for listening and uh, stay subscribed. Good night. Good night. Good night.